Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Podcast Horseman. Back in the 20s, we reviewed a very famous Welcome indeed to Podcast Horseman, the Bojack Horseman podcast, a spoiler-free episode-by-episode audio review podcast of the critically acclaimed Netflix series Bojack Horseman. I'm Michael Hamflit. And I am Adam Nicholas. And as always, at the beginning of this show, Michael, oh, I'm honestly never, ever going to get sick of saying this, whether you are or not. God damn it. I never will. Call us the front of the plane because we are all business to begin with. You can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at Podcast Horseman, or indeed, you can follow us if you really feel that way inclined. You can follow myself at It's Adam Nicholas, or you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. And of course, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can follow along on Spotify. You can listen on Acast. You can find us in the tweets at Podcast Horseman on the Twitter feed. And of course, you can leave us a five-star review. It really helps us as you listen to every podcast. They always tell you the same. Gets us up in the searches. Gets us all talking about this podcast. Gets us all talking about Bojack Horseman. And more importantly, can get you a place in the Hollywood Talk of Fame. We're going to be revealing our newest member to the group with their five-star review later on in the show. Twit to woo. <laughs> That's exciting stuff. Now, speaking of the show, let's dive right in with this week's episode, season one, episode eight, The Telescope. As mm. always, the synopsis brought to us by Netflix. Thank you, Netflix, for doing our jobs Thanks for, for everything. Thanks for, ev- for literally everything. <laughs> uh, when he learns that his old friend from horsing around is dying, Bojack tries to mend fences. Have you ever seen a horse mend in a fence before, Michael? Well, if this is what it looks like every time, I don't want to see one again. <laughs> How does he hold the tool? <laughs> <laughs> You've made this sort of feel like more of a comedy pratfall than I have. <laughs> well, I've, heartbreak listen, of it. listen, I thought I'd start with a little bit of comedy because we're about to get quite a lot of tragedy here, aren't we? Yeah, keep it light, I suppose, in mm. the opening few moments because there's going to be none left as yep. soon as the opening credits roll. At the end of the day, it's night, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> the episode picks up pretty much exactly where the last one left off, which was obviously not just in Princess Carolyn's sadness, but in Bojack Horseman's sadness. He is in the car um, considering the prospect of going to see Herb Kazaz. And where we start the episode is at the exact moment he nearly runs over the armadillo yes. that calls him an asshole. So asshole. that's exactly where this episode begins. Uh, he goes via Diana Mr. Peanut Butter's house and picks her up. Uh, he says, because obviously she's his memoirist and also because he doesn't want to be left alone in a room with Herb, we are left to ponder the subtext of why really he might have gone to pick Indeed. her up. Um, he sarcastically congratulates her for getting engaged um, and, you know, welcomes all his best on Mr. Peanut Butter, etc. She kind of breezes past all that with a little bit of tacit hesitation, but it's not really lingered on long enough for them to talk about it because 
Bojack just wants to get straight on to talking about Herb. Uh, right as he's about to burst into the long, drawn-out drama of what happened between them, because Diana's requested it, mm. noting that he never really wants to mention Herb, uh, Todd bursts out the back seat, who was also <laughs> in the car with them. It's not um, explored whether or not he was just asleep in the car when Bojack pulled away, or Bojack like, subconsciously said, come along for the ride, mm. but he's been like shoved into the back seat with a Disney movie effectively on an iPad, like a child just there to be present on the trip. Uh, <laughs> he's basically abused by Bojack right as Diane is trying to drill into why Bojack would fall out with his best friend. <laughs> we see the relationship that he's fostered with his current one and we hit the credits. You've got a wonderful line there where Diane says, you were about to tell a story about you being a shitty friend, <laughs> but then we got interrupted by you yelling at Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect way to dive into the opening credits. So from the opening credits, we go to Sweet Jesus, a bit more literal classic Bojack because it's the 1980s. But I'm going to let you spend, well, frankly, another podcast's worth of time telling us how we know it's the 80s later on this podcast. So this is probably the biggest more on that later I'm ever going to utter on this podcast. I just want to note this episode is probably going to run long because of how many of these names there are on this very specific street, multiple streets, as we'll find out, of references to time frames. Michael Hamlet, as you were. We, we mentioned in the last episode that Bojack gleefully steers into exposition, mm. but Bojack is behind the wheel, literally steering into it in this one. There will be a lot more on that later. Uh, Bojack Driving goes, us both mad, that's your point. <laughs> Bojack goes to the uh, same comedy club where we know he met, first met Herb, because as, um, as I say, it's the 1980s, so they're still relatively new in their friendship, but you can tell through a little bit of exposition that Bojack is gradually moving up in the comedy world, acting upon Herb's advice. He's a regular in the bar at this point. The barmaid, Charlotte, who seems very welcoming, greets him with a beer that she says is on the house. Don't tell the boss. He politely declines because if he has a beer, he gets tipsy, he and does. he's all business. He's all professional. He wants to do well. You could, you could call him the front of the plane, actually, Michael, couldn't you? I mean, you almost definitely would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they both know they're uh, ABC reps in attendance mm -hmm. tonight from the television network there to see her perform um big night for him obviously uh they agree as a three three way to go and see back to the future again charlotte and herbert dating and bojack doesn't really want to be a third wheel but charlotte more than welcomes him along in reference to back to the future bojack uh gently mocks the premise a little bit he says oh we get it the 50s were different i'll have a new coke please <laughs> he asks of the bomb and it just slides into shot um, he does say to Charlotte that she doesn't need to include him on the dates, but she doesn't really see it like that at all. She's uh, she's glad to have him around. You can tell there's an instant bond between the two mm. of them that's built up over whatever period of time it is that Bojack has spent going back to this comedy club. Uh, he goes on stage, follows Herb onto the stage afterwards. He gets laughs um, from a little bit of gentle abuse towards the audience. It's not so much crowd work as it is kind of just gags at one of the men in the crowd's expense. Um, and then quite tellingly just notes, I'm just kidding around. Foreshadowing <laughs> uh, there. Hey. Um, from there, we go immediately to Herb and Bojack working. We assume this to be after the sets. They're mm. still, you know, starving artists trying to make ends meet and they're working in some sort of posh bar, um, just doing the late shift working together. Herb tells Bojack that he's managed to get himself invited to a party with those ABC reps and he's going to pitch a show. In a lovely callback to the first time they met and Herb saying he'd been in the business a whole year, so it was his job it's to help Bojack job. along. There is some really sweet naivety from Bojack here. He just exclaims, an off-the-clock, non-work-related social event? That's the perfect time to pitch a TV show. <laughs> You're brilliant. You're brilliant, you, Herb. This was genuinely <laughs> sweet um, camaraderie between mm. two guys trying to make it that had yet to have 
their lives or their relationships stained by Hollywood. That's exactly what you get here, isn't it? You kind of, it's, we catch them right before all the fame, right before all the glitz and the glamour. And obviously that's no accident. We really want to get the, the sort of the bones of this friendship right before it, it gets thrust into the spotlight as we're about to see. Hmm. It's, and that's the thing, because we know ultimately where this has to lead, Indeed. there is a constant sense of foreboding across even the nicest of moments in Bojack's young life. You've got, you're enjoying these little moments and you know, just around the corner, just, <laughs> just, just around that corner is a world of dread. Certain, Certain awaits. dread awaits. So we cut to the party. Um, Herb is there with Bojack and Charlotte. He gets immediately pulled away by one of the execs, which is great. Things are obviously going well for Herb. But it does leave Charlotte and Bojack to bond again. Um, it's quite sweet, really. Charlotte um, just bigs Bojack up, says he's going to be a big star, and notes that Herb is always talking about him, and he always agrees. It, Herb thinks just as much as Charlotte that Bojack is one day going to be a big deal. Bojack is obviously enhanced in his ego by this, but they kind of tiptoe towards a bit of a deep and meaningful. They walk over towards a tar pit just to the side of this house where they're having this very fancy Hollywood party and Charlotte quite profoundly notes that Hollywood is a real pretty town but that sits upon all this tar um, and by the time you're sinking it's too late those words would obviously prove prophetic for both Bojack and Herb um, she then drops a bit of a bombshell that she's moving to Maine she's getting away from all of this um, and then in one of those moments where it's almost like Bojack hasn't necessarily seen the wood for the trees until it, literally one of the trees is about mm. to walk first first into she just asks him outright if you know had she not been with her would he have made a move but then answers for him speculates that he's probably just too cowardly mm. more on that less later speculation too. and more accusation i think yeah. i would say so yeah there's a there's a, also a gentle nod as to maybe why she wasn't quite herb's type mm. but bojack living in the literal as he always does does not pick up on why that might be. No. And then when it comes to his, you could say, Michael, he's a cautious horse. <laughs> oh, no, don't derail me with all of them. Not so early in the episode. Um, from this, we go to Bojack and Herb at Griffith Park Observatory. Um, Herb gives Bojack a telescope and asks him to take a look over Hollywood. Uh, this is obviously in direct contrast to what we've just seen with Charlotte is to look at the tar running underneath Hollywood. Mm. Instead, Herb, all he can see is the opportunity, the is surface. the fame, is see the, the surface level. Mm. Just the surface through the telescope. But with that view, he tells Bojack that they're going to take over. He shares the best possible news. The show got approved. Um, again, Bojack trapped in the literal and really never up on things without it being explained to him. He needs things explained to him in the way that he would explain a joke to a crowd. Do you get it? Yes. Do you understand? Do you get it? <laughs> Herb tells him uh, <laughs> the show is called Horsing Around. <laughs> to which Bojack replies, oh, good luck on your rocket ship to the top without me. <laughs> needs, needs telling literally and directly that Bojack, that he's to be the biggest star. Herb tells a slightly loaded story in which he said, it's Bojack or I'm out. To which point they say, oh, well, off you go then. Yeah. And then he asks them nicely and they say, okay, they're Please. fine. They were never that bothered to begin with. It wasn't much of a fight no. and they didn't really want Bojack, no. but he kind of got his way anyway. It kind of already highlights that this show was meaningless from the off. Before mm. it even came to be, it meant nothing. If that doesn't do it, then Herb's little reference just after where he said, I don't know if you've got it down there, have you? No, not into the exact words. Basically, no. Herb suggests that this is going to be a great way for them to tell the gritty story of the true American family. And Bojack's like, really? And he's like, no, let's just make loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they celebrate with a hug. And then Herb kisses Bojack. Mm. Um, Bojack pulls away politely. Um, and he kind of says, oh, I think you're the wrong idea. I'm not. And then Herb goes, oh, me either. 
And it's awkward and it's difficult and it's stilted. And obviously it's the 80s. And mm -hmm. perhaps there's a commentary here of like Herb trying to not literally pull away from his homosexual feelings, but willing to hide them because Bojack has given him the opportunity to do so mm -hmm. for the good of their friendship and impending fame and fortune. Absolutely. It's horses for certain courses. And this is one that Bojack perhaps is not ready to quite run on just yet. Very nice. Very mm. nicely put. And why would he when there is no, of course, well, far too many hurdles that he could fall over? If there's a lot, know. absolutely a lot going on at this time. I mean, it's it's quite an interesting direction. I, I won't get caught up on this, but it's an interesting direction that they take this down. Obviously, we've got the slight suggestion, didn't we, mm. from Charlotte saying, I don't actually think I'm Herb's type of yeah. wo a woman. And it kind of alluded towards this as well. Mm. And from there, <clears throat> we move to the 90s. And again... I'm not going to explain uh, uh, in this part of the episode how we know it's the night is, but you have got a job on later on. <laughs> uh, so we uh, we find Bojack at this point, years into horsing around. Um, Herb has put on weight. Uh, Bojack has put on weight. They're all, mm. they're, they are rich and famous. They have made it, but things are strained backstage at an episode of horsing around. Bojack's complained about the script to this poor assistant who he's just verbally browbeaten. Um, he's offering ideas up to Herb, who is... Not really that interested because, well, to be honest, they're terrible ideas. He says as much. He says they're not funny and they're racist. But, uh, <laughs> and ultimately just tells him to get on with it. Um, and Bojack does all this through the smoke of his own cigarette and sunglasses indoors, which is such, it's the classic it's the trope, Hollywood isn't it? trope, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a situation where obviously the life that they have aspired to have has kind of gotten the better of them at this mm. point. And if you can even call horsing around a creative process, it has certainly got in the way of that. And such a big contrast to where we saw at the very beginning of the episode, Bojack sitting with Charlotte, like, I can't have one beer because I'll be tipsy and I'll not mm. be that guy. And here he is completely indulging himself in the Hollywood lifestyle, which might suggest Probably not doing his best work either. Well, yeah. And there's a point here as well, obviously, where he's, as you say about his best work, he's pitched all these dreadful ideas. None mm. of them have landed. But, and he wasn't even, he doesn't even want to go out and greet the crowd. The makeup artist, uh, Sharona, convinced him to go out because there are a lot of people there in person that want to see him. And that's what it's all about. Uh, Herb notes that uh, so is his 30K per episode yeah, that he's getting. That so we do know that there's money flying all around. But it's, Bojack can't mask that he's basically miserable in the position mm. he's in. Um, we see him later in his dressing room after the recording and he gets a call from his agent um, or more specifically his agent's assistant, Princess Carolyn. Indeed. A very young Princess Carolyn with a haircut resembling the Rachel from Friends. Yep. It's all very early 90s. Uh, pointedly, she is the assistant to Bojack's fat, white, gross male agent. This is a play on the last episode where men were still in charge in Hollywood. <laughs> this was when they were in charge at every single level. Princess Carolyn's ceiling was to be that man's assistant. I don't think you can quite do justice to how horribly disgusting Marv is. Marv, Marv is yeah. totally, totally disgusting. He talks like this and he's all horrible and probably slavers everywhere. They have a gross conversation um, which barely, like, derails their actual conversation. Yeah. He's, you know, to cut a long story short, he's spoiling to say that he's going to get Bojack's secretary. It's the dream role that we yeah. all, that we know that Bojack has always wanted, but they just get lost, Lo like being lurid and letching over actors. And it's just, it's unpleasant, but we can't, knowing what we know now and what we probably always knew, it's not only of the time, it's of every time, it's of Hollywood. You can't pretend it wasn't happening. And I think the fascinating thing here really is that this is 2014 we're looking at this and yeah so far like behind and and ahead of what's actually going to come in about four or five years time yes when we get the whole me too movement and people are finally speaking out about all this 
completely terrible stuff that's been going on in Hollywood, it suggests that this is Bojack's kind of way of maybe trying to put that message out a little bit sooner around 2014. It's quite brave of the, the makers of Bojack Horseman to do that because it's obviously the level of sort of systemic abuse mm. and either violence, either physical, sexual or emotional against women is something that has always been known. But as you say, it wasn't necessarily something that was spoken about because it was simply easier not to. It was easier, and Bojack has just literally acknowledged it, it was easier to look at the scenery rather than acknowledge the tar that ran mm. underneath it. And this is Bojack trying to do that through its rather brave scripting and casting that, to be honest, we've actually seen since the pilot. It's just ways that it's acknowledged in different mm. ways. It's just, it's, this is though feels like it's the very, very visual thing of the whole Ah, uh, boys will be boys, mm. like. But really, it's not. It's not what you want. You can't even. Marv can't even help himself. Just having control over where Princess Carolyn puts his cup of tea. Mm. It's it's a, it's the simplest thing as that. It's a it's a complete and utter abuse of power from the micro to the macro. Yeah, and absolutely. Obviously, throughout the show, it's been a theme, and we're going to see a ton more of it in this episode. Even, um, Bojack is back at home watching television, and he. Turns on excess Hollywood to see that Herb has been caught in a sex scandal. Uh, that he has been caught in a sex act outdoors, but that's not the scandal. The scandal is, is that he's been outed as being gay. It's the night is, so that's where the drama lies. That's where the story lies, unfortunately for Herb and unfortunately for everybody that might have been going through those things at the time. Um, there is a lot of protests against the show. You see the kind of the right wing, the American conservative wing, just those protest groups in general mm. that would have take issue with such a thing especially with horsing around being a family show again feels very representative of other shows where that happened to you know there is across both sides of the atlantic there have been american and british entertainers that have come out as gay in the 90s that then found their careers tanked yep. as a result of mm -hmm. such a thing or their shows cancelled or networks being under pressure and that feeds into the storyline herb knows this is coming and just basically asks bojack to have his back herb pitched the show obviously with Bojack in mind and now finds himself needing Bojack to keep him mm. as part of it. Those roles have changed places, but Bojack's value theoretically should remain the same. Um, unfortunately, while they're in the middle of a conversation where they've started to get back on the same page on set, they're briefly interrupted by uh, one of the network execs that we've seen from the very start, Angela Diaz. We're kind of led to believe she's the most powerful of the three ABC execs that have created and funded um, horsing around mm. she pulls bojack to one side and she just tells him outright they're going to fire herb um he tries very briefly and faintly to back herb but she just very quickly reminds him what he'll lose if he does including secretary which she obviously now knows that she's got there's a there's a wheels of power sort of sense to their relationship straight away where she holds all the cards um bojack is railroaded but again doesn't even remotely fight. There's a there's a real tricky sort of. I wouldn't say it's a paradigm shift because Bojack could have and probably should have done something to help his friend, but in reality was given no cards with which to play in this particular conversation. Yes, in this particular situation, and this is it's a weird one as well. This because uh, Angela Diaz is kind of like she's super super powerful woman in this mm. scenario. Which to this point we haven't really had that, have we no. Which her sort of cold-hearted nature and machine-like way she deals with this because obviously the way she uh machine-like she is a goddamn robot she's a goddamn robot she projects basically that this is something she's done a million times before mm. and she's ready and she knows exactly what she needs to do here yeah this is not um this is not a conversation no this is not something she gave bojack one moment to make an out 
safe in the knowledge that if he didn't take that out, then he wouldn't take any more, no matter what she said. He had that one opportunity to do it. He didn't take it. And then although she was bullish in her approach, she also knew all the outs and all the ways the conversation would go as she was speaking. That is pretty much the end of the flashback sequences. Mm. So we find ourselves back in the car with uh, Bojack and uh, Diane. Uh, Diane just brings up a conversation, what about Secretariat? And this is the most tragic thing of all. They never even made it, Um, which is quite sad to hear considering what we know thus far about why Bojack and Herb have not spoken in all Mm. this time. The one thing that she kind of leveraged against Bojack never even came to fruition. The black tar floating under the city strikes again. Mm. Um, in a something of a running gag between Herb and Bojack, as they knock on the door, they arrive at um, Herb's house, and Herb immediately responds to Bojack when he sees him as, you look shitty. Have you been eating your guilt? Uh, <laughs> they have a horrifically awkward back and forth about Herb's cancer mm. and Bojack's betrayal. It feels it's instant as well. Mm. At the one point where there could be pleasantries, there isn't, Completely discarded. Herb refuses to allow it to be so. <clears throat> Bojack doesn't know where he stands and thus can't engage on the same level. And that's why his attempt at a uh, you know, horribly misguided cancer joke goes a little bit wrong. Mm. The phrase horribly misguided cancer joke <laughs> feels like something that you could only apply to a show like Bojack Horseman. But in they go. Um, Herb again, full on, uh, asks a question about cutlery just so he can make a joke about putting a knife in his back, at which Bojack then even says out loud, like, you know, that why would he ask me about utensils? Thanks, as we always say, to the still point in the turning world of Bojack Horseman, Diane, desperately hunting for common ground. She just happens to reference um, a a juicer. or The Vitamix. uh, The Vitamix, thank you, yeah. And they finally bond over how much money they wasted on things like that. And what we get from that is a very gentle reconnection. (laughs) Ironically, it's over some old racist wordplay. So that's clearly like Herb and Bojack finding the things that bonded them in the first place to it again all these years later. And through a little passage of time cut, we realized that the day must have gone reasonably well enough. Bojack's about to go. Um, in the time, we found out that Herb started a charity. And he's even kept in touch with Charlotte. And in the fact that him and Bojack have had a reasonable day together, he says that he thinks Bojack should get in touch with Charlotte. Mm. He shows a, a framed picture of her that Bojack spots, where she just appears to be in a log cabin, we assume in Maine, um, just seemingly living quite a nice, isolated life. Um, and Bojack almost seems pleased that, you know, as the one that got away that the ex-boyfriend Herb, even though he knows what he knows about Herb, has kind of almost given him the green light, has given him the pass. Is this another form of forgiveness that he's been craving? It's just, there's just a nice vibe about it and they're ready to leave the house and, you know, all's well that ends well until it isn't. Diane just tells Bojack as they're at his door after they've said their goodbyes. If Bojack has something to say... He should say he should go and say it. There is, of course, the subtext here that Bojack has a declaration of love that he's been holding on to towards Diane. Mm-hmm. They outwardly clarify this without actually clarifying it. Bojack says, "Are you talking about the thing that I think you're talking about?" And mm. Diane says, "I'm talking about her." And the fact that they both know what each other one's on about without it being said is yep. quite powerful. But that moment is left behind because Bojack goes back. Oh dear, he goes back. He um, goes back in. He. Herb is being put to bed by his, uh, his his carer, I suppose, and Bojack pops his head in in much the same way that he did Princess Carolyn on last week's episode, where it was, what are we doing it? Hey, buddy. Yeah. He's dripping with insincerity, and that is to remind us, the viewer, that at this point, 
he's kind of needing to do this for him. He's turning on the Hollywood slava, hasn't he? Whatever was natural before is somewhat unnatural now. Mm. Um, he does feel bad and he does apologize, but rather powerfully, Herb refuses to forgive him. Um, this wasn't about stabbing him in the back. This wasn't even about Herb losing his job. This was about Bojack's failure to react to all of those things after the fact. Mm. Bojack has missed the point. Bojack, as far as we are aware, has dealt with the guilt of not saying anything when he was in that meeting with Angela Diaz. Instead, Herb just wanted his support when the world fell down around him. He'd been out with his gay in a time where that was troublesome. He'd been booted out with the show that he created. And Bojack didn't even give him a call. Um, Herb says, you don't get closure yeah, he wasn't going to allow him to be to feel better. He wasn't allowing him to be the good guy. He's more angry that Bojack abandoned their friendship and he'll never forgive him for that. And then in a very powerful use of an F-bomb because they should never be wasted. Of course. He simply says, now get the fuck out of my house. Um, Bojack, in an attempt to get the fuck out of his house, takes the telescope from we saw earlier in the episode mm -hmm. And they end up in a physical fight. Oh, man, it's not a good look, this, is it? Bojack is having a fist fight with a cancer patient. Uh, um, this is happening. Like a six-foot-plus, seven-foot-tall horseman is having a fight with a frail old cancer victim, essentially. And it's just, it makes for such weird viewing. A man that has said like, that he could well die tomorrow. It's a reason why he has no reason to forgive Bojack. Bojack has tried to argue with some futility that, well, can't we go on with our lives? And he said, I have no life to go on with. So this is not a man that Bojack should be trying to punch in the face. The telescope gets broken in the fight. It's a really awful scene. Diane, as usual, is the voice of reason, is the person of reason, is the still point, manages to pull them away and separate them. But Herb, as is his right and as is his won't, gets the last word. He gets right in Bojack's face. He calls him a selfish goddamn coward who takes whatever he wants and doesn't give a shit about who he hurts. That's you. That's Bojack Horseman. This is rough. It's rough, but this is... This felt so powerful when Herb does this, when he says these words to Bojack, because up until this point, everything he says, you really struggle to argue with. Like, mm. there is so much honesty here and this to the bone, but it's accurate as well. It's not just Herb's opinion. Everything we've been presented of Bojack Horseman to this very point, everything across all of his friends, family, you name it, is just being selfish acts of Bojack, of Bojack, sorry, that he does whatever the hell he wants. And if things happen to other people along the way, so be it. And mm. this is like the ultimate case of this. It's just manifested over years of him just not getting in touch with a friend who just needed his help. Yeah, and I think that's the point as well, isn't it? That, again, hammers home that he's missed the point all these years. All, Everything all he was holding on to, it wasn't even the right thing. I mean, that obviously highlights that he's done more than one thing wrong, which mm. is less than ideal. But decades have gone by, and he's never fully come to terms with what he's done to Herb. No. He's just instead taken the very literal action of stabbing him in the back not literally stabbing him in the back, but the very little action of getting him fired and not fighting for his job is, mm. this, oh, well, it must be that. He's made that assumption without ever even following up the time. During the fight, even Bojack references how some people enjoyed the the latter episodes, the episodes without Herb. Yeah. Now, there are other examples of TV shows where a prominent character or a director or somebody left the show. Mm. There are such things as Michael Scott leaving the office or Dan Harmon leaving the team of community. Mm. And it creates a different discourse around the television show. So that felt quite true to how we all talk about television, but also immediately put you in the mind of a viewer when you know that thing has happened mm. and how the horse and around viewers must have received that show with this horse, having this horse just done this awful thing in real life. The two things couldn't be further apart. That that daft 90s sitcom couldn't be further apart from the awful 
Shakespearean play happening behind <laughs> yeah. behind the scenery. Um, they leave for good this time. Um, Bojack and Diana sort of speed off. We hear the phone call from last week's episode with Princess Carolyn, where she's rang and told him he's got the movie. But at this point, obviously, after everything that we've seen happen, Bojack is just clinically depressed by it. Um, they pull over so Bojack can take a breather. He's in a real bad way. Um, Diane tries to lighten the mood by first saying she needs a toilet, but then realizes the gravity of the situation and in a complete role reversal of how they've been thus far, offers not to put any of this in mm. the book. It wasn't Bojack asking, it was Diane offering. And in the continuation of that role reversal, he says, no, it's fine, which is an attempt maybe for him to learn and grow because yeah. he's just faced the consequences of what happened the last time he didn't do that. So maybe this is him trying to, trying to do right. Sort of, but also it's more motivated by he feels miserable and he says it doesn't matter anymore. I think something something to those um, to those words. He says kind of none of it matters anymore anyway, mm. which is almost more of a defeatist attitude than you kind of hope of him thinking, no, this needs to go in like for posterity's sake. But actually, I think it might be him more just, I'm in the, down on the dumps because he's literally he's in a frail state of mind when he's on that uh, little side road, isn't he, mm-hmm. where he's, Breathing heavily, he's he's worried. Diane he looks a step up, away from a panic attack. He looks like he's about to have a panic attack, yeah. and Diane kind of intervenes and breaks the ice slightly with a joke and says, "Like they need to get back." Which, again, as we always say with Diane, snaps them back into reality. But is it enough? Well, she says it's fine, and that he had a lot of guts going and doing what he did. And Bojack kisses her. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, she backs away without so much as saying a word. There is a an oral sort of response, a slight bit of panic and confusion, but nothing more. Um, she walks back to the car. Bojack is remaining stood looking out into the water. It is water. It is not tar. Um, and you hear three strums of the very strum that you hear in the credits at the start of our podcast at the end of every Bojack Horseman, mm. and then the episode does end. Does indeed Reality finish. snaps back in at the very last minute, 
and we'll have to wait and see what happens next. I need to just jump in quickly here and say that visually, the combination of Bojack's isolation and the, the full background we're given here, it's yeah. a real, he's really small in the center of this and the actual visual background we're presented is, it's absolutely stunning. Like if a, cin if a cinematographer had done this, obviously in real life, we'd be raving about this. Mm. The fact that they've managed to get the emotion so spot on with this one moment, Bojack, he's gone from facing inwards, he's facing out looking at that sea and he's just lost in it. And that really, really powerful stuff. This like it, it, one of many, I think there's about five or six in this season where really it's, you've got to take a minute. It's almost like I'm stood there with him on the, on the, on the bit of the side of the road and I'm, I'm looking at the into the into the sea with them. Helped by the composition of the music, of I course. Think, of the, yes, we know that the strum normally denotes the end of the episode, but the fact there are three teasing strums make you wonder if there's going to be more. And then you just hit with the the grim reality of no, there is no more. Yeah. You've got to suffer this with Bojack. Mm -hmm. I think the um, it's it's a great point about that visual as well because it is wide open. Mm -hmm. And the irony of the the titular telescope in this episode is that every time it's used, it narrows the scope. A telescope is supposed to look long and far yeah. out and enhance the detail, but instead it masks the problems. We see through the lens of the telescope in the episode twice, once when um, Bojack's instructors look at Hollywood yeah. and once when Bojack looks directly at Herb, cancer-ridden, ready to die. Mm -hmm. And both of those are so insular. They're not what a telescope should be used for. They're the polar opposite of the view that we get of Bojack at the very end. And there's also, to add to that, there's a a usage in the middle of that when they when Herb is asking for Bojack's help in the when he's obviously it's come out that he's gay mm. and he's asking for Bojack to stand by him, he sort of flips the telescope on him. And yes, the, the the distance between the two is apparent. Obviously, they can't see. Remember it, how we used to be. Remember how yeah. we used to be. But he flips it around and we see that Bojack is actually a lot further away than he was the first time round. And I just think this show, man, is if you aren't like absolutely blown away by the show, then I'm not really sure what, what you're going to be blown away by, to be quite perfectly honest. It's it's beautiful mm. at points, but it chooses, I don't know, like just desperation and disperation as, as a subject matter for the beauty, which is going to, again, you know, remain a running theme. Really briefly, but I would just be remiss if I didn't mention Todd in this one. We <laughs> did touch on the fact that he was in the back of the car for the ride. And I think this is like, I'm glad that he, the way that we do these podcasts, we get to talk about this now because it's a bit of a breather and a bit it of a is. let me it's up nice, from the episode yeah, we've just absolutely. discussed. Todd is tasked with parking the car when we get to Herb's house. As simple as park the car. The horsing around plot, if you will, of this particular episode, just park the car, Todd. So he takes hours to try and perform a three-point turn to park this car and gets carjacked by two balaclava-wearing women that also happen to be in bikinis. They've got that valley girl voice. They're maybe jobbing actors. We're not quite sure, but they're, they're, they're carjacking him. They've got guns to his head. Um, one of them starts to fall in love with Todd, uh, and Todd, through this, ends up kind of becoming like a cod counsellor to the pair of them, um, convinces one of them to take off, take off their mask and then she does by removing the balaclava. And then he's like, no, take off your real still mask. This is where we get to see Todd is still being presented to us. As he has been from the very beginning as actually a very wise guru-esque man. It's good that you mentioned Todd's wisdom because we do talk about how it's always juxtaposed with him being the goofball. Yeah. The often the complete accidental moron. Mm -hmm. And you see them both within seconds of each other here because the final cut to Todd and the... the um, the celebrity Stealing Club. Thank you. I the Celebrity Stealing Club. That's exactly it. The Celebrity Stealing Club. 
they see the three of them, no more in balaclavas, anything like that. They're all bonding, uh, lying down faces on the grass, looking up at the clouds, all dreamy-like. And then Todd just notices that with them, he's finally been able to let his guard down. So they think, He's let his guard down and then pistol whip him. <laughs> leave, <laughs> leave him for dead and on the grass. And steal the car, of course. And steal the car. Or, or, uh, or, or certainly the things from the car. Just yeah. dodge off with the stuff from the car. This is only to lay up an absolutely magnificent visual gag. After the fight, and the fight again, a giant horse is fighting with a terminal cancer patient. There is no visual as harsh or coarse that we've seen yet in the history of Bojack Horseman. But when Bojack, having failed profoundly to heal a deep wound with a best friend, literally leaves Todd for dead as the car speeds away from Herb's house. Doesn't once think about where Todd might be. Just, you see oh. Todd's presumed dead body lying on Herb's lawn as Bojack just drives away. It's, there's something, obviously, <laughs> there's something truly hilarious about this, right? Because the way that Todd is face down in the grass, <laughs> like like some kind of bottle rocket that's just landed on the lawn as Bojack speeds away. Obviously, so caught up in his own business, just forgets about Todd. It's it, honestly, it 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 popped me not quite as much as the birds from the last episode, mm. but it got me good. It's inspired physical comedy, and we often talk about how close in proximity there is gag and drag, and it works yeah. both ways on the show. I think this was huge gag after the biggest drag after the thus biggest far. drag to go. Well. Seeing as how you're talking about gags. Unfortunately, you all have to sit through this now because <laughs> in an episode full of, of time-centric, very specific giveaways as to what the era is that we're experiencing, well, buckle up, kids, <laughs> and put on your seatbelts because we've got a bunch of cars and a bunch of streets to drive down from various different time Time yeah. periods. Time that's periods. That's what yeah. I'm looking for. As always, we're going to go back to the very beginning. And if, you, if you're just joining us, hello, welcome. This is the part of the show where we will now go back and find all of the hidden gags, all of the Easter eggs, and all of the hidden details you might have missed hmm. within the show. Um, was there any clues? There was a slight <laughs> inclination that we might have been in the 80s because, <laughs> just a slight one, because we have about, I'm not even kidding, there's about 20 gags here. <laughs> um, as we go, so as you'll have seen at this point, uh, we drive down the street and there is just a litany of references to 80s related things mm. on the street. These are some of my favorite gags in all of Bojack Horseman because of they take that the concept of how do we tell people the, the context, what time it is, when we are experiencing this. But this whole episode is lit with them. Let me just begin them. I'm going to start them. Shop names and sign names because <laughs> my word, there's a lot. There's a man outside on the street we're in a mascot outfit for John's house of Rubik's Cubes because they were all the rage back then. There's a shop called Broad Broads, which is just a, a dress shop for women. Very nice. Uh, there's a shop called Math O'Clock, which is selling calculator watches. Oh, nice. Of course. There's a fanny pack shop. I don't think I need to explain mm -hmm. that one any further. There is the Flop House, which sells floppy disks because, <laughs> because that's what we do, Michael. It was the 80s. There's also a shop called Cynthia's Synthesizers uh, that sells, just in case you're wondering, sells keytars because you. that's where the music needs to come from. Mm -hmm. There's also a little uh, sign above all of the shops that just says, tag, the cola wars are over. Very nice. And a nice little nod there. And then we have we have Gorbachev stain removers, explosive deals, it says <laughs> in the corner, of course. Gorbachev, now I'd, I have noticed now, just didn't, 
do any research there. Uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, Gorbachev was a Soviet on. Union leader. There you and go. Was, one of the things he was famous for was for like a, a quite a prominent birthmark. Yeah. With a little bit like a stain on his head. There you go. Sometimes be turned at the hammer and sickle. So the fact that that's the thing that they themed this thing around I see, is that's very why Gorbachev. you're here for. I knew I was paying. I was <laughs> paying you good money for something. There's another sign on the top that says Legia for a pair of shoes. And this just says like totally red. <laughs> The other shop is called Disco Fever. It says in brackets, close forever, spray painted over with the words, Disco sucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's also a place called House of Leg Warmers. There's also a place called Condo 64. They're all getting a very, oh, very niche good. for the 80s here. We've also got Melrose Camouflage. Blend in, in brackets, get your leather jacket and jeans here. <laughs> There's a sign at the top that says, Big Brother is watching you. Feels very of the time. There's also the store called Waltz Walkman. <laughs> walk in, 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 on the sign below that, it says, Walk in a stereo slave, walk out with your musical freedom. Very nice. We've got a U-Haul van across the across the bottom there. We also have a, one of my favourites, I know it's one of your favourites, called Nothing But Cocaine Mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> to a little tagline that says, Snort in style, low prices. <laughs> And then we have another wonderful one here that says, that's so Reagan. The Gip has trickle-down savings. We recklessly outspend the competitors. Yes, we have jelly beans, all flavors. And that's just the 80s. Just as well, they're not going to do another street full of references, eh? (laughs) And so we finally get to the end of this road and we end up at the Laugh Shack, which, of Mm. course, we've seen before. I won't go over the Laugh Shack and the surroundings there. We've had that in a previous episode. Loads of names on the outside and a bunch of scenery there. But they do make the reference that I mentioned earlier inside where... Bojack says in reference to Back to the Future, the film that they all went to see, that film was awesome. Uh, apart from all the lame time period jokes, we get it. The 50s were different. I'll have a, I'll have a new Coke, please. <laughs> and the, the nerve of that man to say this after I've had to literally go down the street and take the names <laughs> of all of these things. How very dare he? Uh, interestingly, though, actually, there was a guy on the street as we, the car's driving past mm-hmm. who was all in the Michael Jackson-esque get-up, you know, the drill, the red jacket from Thriller, all that kind of thing with the mm. white socks. We will then find that same guy in the bar that um, that Herb and uh, Bojack are working at where they serve ah, him a drink. He right. flips them a tip, and that's the same guy who can be found on the street. Then we cut all the way through to another street of references, Michael, because we jump to the 90s generic 90s grunge song, Everyone in Flannel. I'm not going to do the rest. <laughs> but these, these songs, by the way, that go with the streets mm. and the time period references, fantastic stuff. Yes. But let's not waste any time because Christ has too many of these to go on. <laughs> There's a shop that's half cut off at the end, but it is clearly a Tamagotchi shop. Mm-hmm. You can't quite read the sign, but we all know about them. There's also a shop for Beanie Babies. Invest in Beanie Babies today, guaranteed to skyrocket in price. <laughs> There's another shop called Spin Doctors. Walk-ins, welcome. It's a family practice. Nice. There's also a clever little one called Magic the Assembly, as, <laughs> as opposed to Magic the Gathering, which really got me giggling. If Jules Gill is listening to this, I'm sure he's having a very good time. Uh, there's also another shop called the One Stop Slap Shop. Slap bracelets for every occasion. You know slap bracelets, yeah. the big long things. Mm. Slap yourself, slap your friends, slap your boss. <laughs> <laughs> there's a sign for Planet Hard Rock across the top, a nice combination of yeah. Planet Hollywood and Hard Rock Cafe. Uh, there's another shop called Stop Hammer Time. <laughs> it's a hammer shop, believe it or not. And it says, competitors can't touch this. 
Very nice. There is also two people who are standing on the street, the same place where the mascot was on the 80th Street, and they're just kicking around a hacky sack mm. together because they were in vogue at the time, weren't they? Uh, as were inflatable furniture. <laughs> Everybody loved a bit of that. Had an inflatable chair, I did. Everybody yeah. had one yeah. of those. There was this, There's also a sign that says, Be cool, llama cigarettes. <laughs> uh, along with a few more signs related to things that were all the craze. Pog world, Michael. Mm. Pog world. The craze... That's here to stay. Oh. Or is it? Bless them. There's also resting pogs. R.I.P. Resting <laughs> pogs, indeed. There's also, this popped me quite well, Melrose Bill's Sack Shop. Sail to the Sheaf. Saxophone Blowout. Commander in Cheap. <laughs> 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 Wonderful stuff. Another shop that's just called Flannel, Nose Piercings, and Docks. Uh, because they knew their audience. They were all the big, they did. Kirk Cobain would be proud. There's another sign above all of the shops. That's just said the typical got milk advertisement. That's just got a picture of a provocative cow <laughs> holding a glass of milk and staring into your soul. Another one where we had the U-Haul van in the previous episode. I think it's only really there to set this one up, which is called Dung Beetle Movers Will Move Your Shit. <laughs> nice. <laughs> There's a record store called Dope Jams Record Store, formerly Walt's Walkman. It's a, there's, a, there's a, also a poster in the window for this. That instead of the Nevermind poster, the iconic, mm. and uh, I was going to call them Nevermana there, but <laughs> the, the iconic Nirvana album cover, it is in fact called Nevermore. And it's a little baby holding a dollar sign, but instead of a normal baby, it's got a chicken's head. Get like it. a little chick's Excellent. head, which is lovely. And the last little sign I could spot was for the shop that just said Jorts. <laughs> <laughs> because that was the 90s, wasn't it? We then cut across to Paramount Studios. Or is it, Michael? It's not, because it's Parrot Mount Studios. Of, of course, course it, is. it is. Inside, we get a person in the back who's one of the techs from the show who's wearing a Grateful Dead t-shirt. Ah. A reference to the Grateful Dead, yeah. of course, for all the Grateful Dead fans out there. While we also see Herb Gazaz, a nice little nod to the Times, drinking a Crystal Pepsi, <laughs> which I had to quickly Google because I was like, surely that couldn't have been. I always wanted one of them. They, yeah. looked, they looked so good. They did, but realistically, obviously didn't make the cut, did it? Because mm. here we are in 2020, no Crystal Pepsi. Bring to it be back. Seen. Bring back the Crystal Pepsi. It's become a campaign podcast. This is going to become that, yeah. like the uh, the Szechuan sauce thing, isn't yeah. it? Rick and Morty, good Lord. Oh, no, we mentioned Rick and Morty on a Bojack podcast. <laughs> oh, I bought a board. <laughs> Then we cut back to Bojack's dressing room. There's a bunch of like things within the dressing room that are quite cute. Little uh, little nods to how he's feeling and how he's doing at this time. We get some drawings on the wall from fans that are like, mm. I love you, Bojack. All very lovely. All really badly drawn, but on the wall, nonetheless. Then we go to the mirror. It's almost like a small... I don't really know how to explain this. This is sort of the, the devolution of Bojack. Mm. So we get this lovely thing from the kids. Then on his wall, on the mirror, just a bunch of post-it notes to kind of motivate himself. We've got one that says can do we've got one that says looking good we've got one that says yes and we've got one that says my man <laughs> all of these little motivational tools that Bojack's using because I imagine he's staring at this mirror wondering where it all went wrong <laughs> there's also an incredible painting in this room of, of a naked Bojack <laughs> who is lying strewed across a bearskin rug, the mm. bearskin. If you look at the face of the bear, he does not look very happy about all this. He looks rather upset. There's a, a real great um, sort of moment that neither of them know between Bojack and Princess Carolyn where in order to kind of get a little bit flirty with her on the phone when she's just his agent's receptionist, he looks at the naked picture yeah. of himself so she has no idea when she's obviously got a little bit of a thing for him yeah. that it's his self-obsession that is going to be her completely The narcissism doing. that yeah. will come back to haunt him and her later on. Also, 
as he's on the phone to Princess Carolyn, he's just got a gigantic mobile phone. <laughs> Bring a happy TV size mobile phone because really, that's probably what they were yeah. like back then. I say probably. Most it definitely was. It's huge. It's massive. It's obviously slightly blown out of proportion. <laughs> but we do then have, from that phone call, we find them, um, we find Bojack gets put through to Marv's office. Of mm. course, Marv being Princess Carolyn's boss, who actually is in the office that would become Vega yeah. Offices, which is where Princess Carolyn currently works in the modern day. Uh, on his walls, you can see a few posters for a couple of films. One of those films is Catablanca. <laughs> uh, of course, instead of the two usual faces we have, we get two cats. There's also... Dances with wolves. And can you guess what? Two wolves who are dancing. <laughs> and the wolves are people. Uh, and then this one, again, as we're sitting on the telephone, Bojack is talking with um, with Marv after he does all the crude stuff talking about women, which is pretty wick. But he says on the phone to Bojack, he says, I gotta go. I got lunch with, with MC Scat Cat. MC Scat Cat was the cat from the Opposites Attract video with Paula Abdul. Ah, right. Sort of, kind of, but didn't have a career of his own as a result. The mm. animation with Paula Abdul, he's kind of cavorting and dancing with the video, was popular enough that he sort of almost had a kind novelty pop it. career off the yeah. back of it. So that was, Opposites Attract was around 89, 90. Yeah. So depending on at what point that Could it just was, it was peak or post-peak peak of or MC post. Scat Cat's life. Ah. In Bojack Horseman World, of course, MC Scat Cat would be a very real... Things. Indeed. We then end up back in Bojack's house, obviously still in the 90s. Um, as we've mentioned numerous times on this show so far, they are fantastic at taking pictures from artists and doing their own interpretations of them mm. and slowly feeding them into the show. As a little reference to the art world, well, this is no different. And of course, who better to have in a 90s-based setting than Keith Haring and his pop art style? Of course, the paintings in his house, you can see, are like the dancing, uh, they'd normally be dancing people, but they are dancing horses in oh, this nice. episode. And they are fantastic. And if anybody's selling them <laughs> and they want to send them across, <laughs> please do. Then we also get a few things around around the house uh, of Bojacks, one of which that most notably, I think almost everybody had a, one of these. I know I did. Just a beanbag chair. He yep. sat in a beanbag chair, completely immersed in it. And I just thought, what a what a such a true representation mm. because that literally I remember specifically the one my dad had and all the little beans coming out of it. At and one a Coca-Cola one. Did you really? I did, yeah. Was it a new Coke one? It wasn't. It was the Coca-Cola classic. <laughs> Crystal Pepsi <laughs> one, was it? Um, also in, within Bojack's house, he's got a VCR player on top of his TV, which is the brand Phony as opposed to Sony, nice. because of course it is. And everybody had a VCR player, mm -hmm. so that's always part of the deal, along with a gigantic-sized remote, which is obviously a little nod <laughs> to how big the phones and remotes were back then. One of the things that really got me in this episode that isn't really a reference to anything other than the show itself, mm. is Tom Gumbo Jumbo, who appears in this episode, who you will have seen as the news anchor for um, MSNBC yes. in modern day Bojack. But in this, he, Tom, if I start, he's got hair, which is <laughs> really distracting. And it's that typical kind of 90s weird toupee looking hair yep. that he's got. And he's the host of Excess Hollywood. Now, for anybody who's been paying attention, Excess Hollywood in the modern times is the show that is hosted by Ryan Seacrest. So mm. Tom Gumbo Jumbo has obviously been around at the network for quite some time and has slowly worked his way up to become the news anchor of MSNBC. During his news broadcast, though, from Excess Hollywood, he tells us in the news headline that obviously when Herb Kazaz has been caught out as being gay and there's all this controversy, it says... The headline is Kazaz Kazastrophe across the bottom. 
very. Uh, I don't think he had Randy back I was then. But say, I'm it feels sure very Randy. He still, he still got the, he still got the jokes even back <laughs> then. There's a bunch of um, we we see a bunch of protesters, and we all get their opinion. There's an interviewer who's interviewing these people, and it's an elephant. You don't actually get to see them, but you do get to see the trunk of the elephant that's holding the microphone to the protesters. The elephant in the room. The elephant right? in the room. Um, and also, I just got a few of the signs here because mm. I thought they were quite entertaining. There's one that says, "Come on." <laughs> <laughs> just says come on the other one says don't be an ass ditch herb the next one says clean up your stable horsing around nice another one that just says gosh I'm angry <laughs> then there's another one that says two men kissing makes me uncomfortable another one that says get a brain morons <laughs> and then possibly my favourite from this one it says it's horsing around not horsing around in brackets in a gay way <laughs> two exclamation marks there's one that says, go US, and there's one that just says, keep our parks hetero, oh, which yeah. really kind of hammers home how kind of misguided the times were, but a sign of the times. Dark days. <coughs> nevertheless. Mm. We go back to, uh, I was going to say Paramount, but of course, it's Paramount Studios, and as all of the protesters are outside, someone's trying to drive into Paramount Studios, and they are stopped by the security dog, <laughs> who is an actual guard. Who is the dog? We've seen this trope used before yes. in a previous episode. He's working the barrier. He's at the, the prison. Yeah. But this time he's working the barrier and he just barks furiously <laughs> at this person until they show their ID. At which point he stops barking and just says, okay, you're okay to go on through. <laughs> <laughs> which is so good. We go back to modern day now and there's a few, just a few less here. Thank God, because there's been so <laughs> many streets full of the damn things. In Herb's house, one clever little one that I thought is the fact that uh, Herb has a carer these days mm. and his carer is a bear, which you could also probably call Michael a okay, care bear, bear because that's the gag, isn't it? Now, again, you've already mentioned it, but Todd on the outside, on the lawn, lying face down <laughs> is one of the funniest things since that bird hit that window. It's a- <laughs> Honestly, it just looks so completely powerless and dead and face down. Alongside those, I do also have... <gasps> Ooh. Ah, I see you. Oh, God. You're waiting for it. Oh, this is Oh, me. the suspense. One last thing, and then I swear to God, I'll shut up about this podcast. I don't believe you anymore. Ever. <laughs> I'm never going to shut up about this podcast. But as always, at this point, we like to pick up on something that maybe we didn't get a chance to say throughout the episode. And whether it's happy, sad, or somewhere in between, hmm. we'll give you that. Would you like to start this week? I will do, yeah. There's a few obvious gags early on in the episode where Bojack the 80s Bojack mm. with Charlotte and Herb specifically uh, finds himself confused by them speaking in metaphors slightly and they're not even very complex metaphors. Mm. It's things such as him trying to steal as much quiche as he can mm. uh, and then just like trying to like understand what his purpose at the big party is and when like Charlotte says that he's going to be a big deal and Bojack just construes that to mean, am I going to get fat? Mm. And that's not what I mean, Bojack. No. There's times when he's at the, obviously we've talked about his naivety at the bar when they're working together. And the fact that he's so literal and doesn't really deal beyond what he's being told right there and then. He needs things painting in 50-foot-high letters to understand what the hell anybody's talking about. <laughs> he was destined for horsing around. He was never destined for secretarial no. or the things he wanted or the things something he aspired nuanced. to get, something nuanced. It was always going to be the very, very run-of-the-mill, everything-obvious 80s-slash-90s like American feel-good sitcom. He, Herb, the irony of Herb Kazaz thinking Bojack is perfect for this mm. is that Bojack is thrilled, obviously, 
But he believes that Herb thinks he's perfect for a show that is so much more than horses around, whereas Herb thinks Bojack is perfect for horses around. around. That is more of a, a loaded remark than Bojack could ever perhaps realise, and maybe even more than Herb realises. I think so. And even to the point where it, Bojack is so not tuned into these things that even, as you said, as Herb tells him, the actual show mm. name, he doesn't twig on that maybe he's going to be coming along for the ride as well. Yeah. Horsing around, Bojack. Come on, man. Do you get it? <laughs> <laughs> Do you get it? The goal of him questioning the writing and the scripting yes. years later yeah. is a testament to how far, <laughs> like, how far gone he was into the black tar. Well, you kind of need to go into that bit where he's saying about the, the jumper, isn't he? He's, he's talking over a, a scene and he says... Why is it that in one scene I say that I'm not I'm not going to wear this jumper, and in the next scene he's wearing the jumper? And she's like, "That's the joke." And he's like, <laughs> "No, no, we need a new scene where you explain why I changed my mind about the jumper." Do you get it? Just like, do you get it, guys? Because <laughs> I'm I'm the horse from horsing around. Oh god, really bad. Well, actually, on the topic of this, throughout this episode, now we don't get tons of it, but we kind of get the murmurings of it, and I, I can't I can't remember if they do revisit this, but we do get Bojack talking with him. We get two instances, two instances where Bojack is possibly given some of his creative ideas for the show. First of all, is the last little bit where Bojack says, he says to Herb, when they're discussing the ideas for the show, he says, what about my rap, Herb? <laughs> what about my rap? You promised me a rap. What, what's happening here? And Herb says, you know, we're working on it. We're working on it. He says, we just need a rhyme for, and I'm here to say, and then he tails off. And we don't really hear anything else about this until later on when they're having another meeting between the two of them at a table, right before Bojack has, gets called into the room with Angela Diaz. Mm. And uh, he says, he says after a little bit of murmuring, he says, the, and then you have to say, I like healthy gums in a major way. <laughs> to which point, Bojack then says, in an exact reference to what you've just said, I feel like we need to work in somewhere the words toothpaste rap so, <laughs> so, so people know what I'm talking about. Because I, I, it's just, it's so exactly Bojack, this. Trying to come up with something for his character. Why on earth would he need a toothpaste rap, Michael? <laughs> Bojack Horseman picked comedy, then picked, well, was gifted a sitcom, and doesn't have a com- a natural comedic instinct in his giant horse body. Doesn't have a comedic tooth in his mouth. <laughs> and he has, he's a horse, he's got Honestly, plenty of teeth. Man, he's got loads of teeth, and somehow he still doesn't get, or doesn't, still doesn't know how to do what he's doing. It's Absolute magic. fool. Anyway, that's the last of the bits and bobs from the episode. Crikey Moses, I thought we were Did we end good? Because it was hard getting there. It was, I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. I tell you what. Tough week for old Bojack. No. If it wasn't, you can let us know. <laughs> Come and find us on the socials. As always, one last little plug just before we go. You can find this show at Podcast Horseman on both Twitter and Instagram. And if you're really feeling that way inclined, maybe follow one of the hosts as well. You can follow me, Adam Nicholas, at It's Adam Nicholas. Or you can follow Michael Hamflit at Michael Hamflit. And you can leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow on Spotify. You can listen on Acast. You can find the podcast embedded on the tweets at Podcast Horseman. And we are about to induct yet another member into our prestigious Hollywood Talk of Fame. Whoa, 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 whoa. We have received a very lovely five-star review from EAG1105 via Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for leaving this. He titles it, or she titles this, What Is This, A Crossover Episode? Uh, More on that later. Um, They've uh, left a comment to say, two of our favourite hosts, 
from another set of podcasts, so I had to listen. Thank you very much. I think I found a new favourite show in Bojack. Love that. Best bit. That's what we're doing all this for. Mm, that's what it's all about. It kills me to wait to watch, but the recap and banter is worth it. Oh, thank you very much. Good to know the lad's fame from a previous show. It does not define them. I can only assume he's on about Bojack Horseman. He must be talking about Bojack Horseman and, and Mr. Peanut Butter, because I can assure you, <laughs> I'm looking over at Michael Hamlet and he's looking over at me, and there are no famous people here. I the real stars you. from the real shows are horses and dogs. The only stars here are the ones in Michael Hamlet's eyes. Oh, oh. only because I'm looking at you. Man. Oh, well, that's a, just all getting a bit too much People for me to handle podcast off. How are we going to get out of this room with such big heads? <laughs> hey, that's just you, that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's quickly fly across to the Netflix synopsis mm. for next week's episode because, as always, one of my most exciting moments when we do these podcasts yeah. is the last little bit. So this is season one, episode nine, Horse Majeure. A love-struck Bojack tries to sabotage a wedding. Todd accepts a surprising new professional role. Hmm. Doesn't that sound rather intriguing? It it's a shame because you're going to have to wait till next week to find <laughs> out what happens. With that said, I've been Adam Nicholas. I've been Michael Hamflit. And this has been Podcast Horseman. 